howdy. We're Squawking Dead. You're welcome to stay here as long as you need until you've had enough of us. There's an Instagram account you can browse through and look at the pretty pictures. On Sundays, I like to browse the blog for episode recaps and uh, uh, comic spoilers. I, I've seen my favorites, but I'm reading them alphabetically. Occasionally, when I'm feeling a bit saucy, I like to browse the Twitter and pretend I'm the Candyman, sending love to everyone's post and let them know my intentions are good and I value their company. Oh, I see. I've, I've talked too much again. Well, I suppose when that happens, I must defer to the platypus on my Scrabble board, snooze the singing bass alarm clock on my nightstand, and surrender the cabin I've, I've built in my own two hands to protect my partner, Carol. That was a pretty good impression. I gotta give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, ma'am. <laughs> Much obliged. Gosh, I I was truly taken aback by this episode. When I knew that this was a a Laura and John Dory backstory, I was apprehensive. I was like, oh, God, I hope that this isn't going to give me... Hope he's uh, not a psycho killer. I hope it wasn't Shades of Misery. That was my biggest concern. I was like, oh, gosh, I hope that it's... I hope that that's not the kind of depth that he has. But nothing could be further from the truth. I was trying to rack my brain. I was like, have we had any episode in The Walking Dead universe that was a romantic love story episode i don't think we have and the closest that we seem to have gotten was that michonne rick scene and the that sort of county fair that double as a fema center basically <laughs> with the and chili it, mac yeah yeah i thought to myself i was like well maybe certain moments with maggie and glenn but even then it, there was never like a a sort of we're just gonna focus on this relationship to me this was definitely a first yeah more than anything else that's kind of what makes this episode stand out in general anyway because I don't know if this is an overall thing from Scott Gimple or Gail Ann Hurd or any any of them the showrunners any of them showrunners but we've experienced like two plus years of just absolute sadness and it has been mentioned that Fear the Walking Dead is going to be somewhat of a hope slash bring them down just to give them hope again story so to see this kind of port in the storm yeah and this, just beat us down relentlessly yeah and it's you know it's it's this this thing where I mean, we've talked about game theory basically just giving people just enough to hang on to keep watching and finally we're getting this jackpot payoff that feels good and to have this the episode itself be so good it just so pure yeah and i and i think it was very well done the symbolism in in the episode and it it was so simple in the sense that the setting was simple because we didn't go anywhere really. We no. stayed in this same setting. We weren't venturing into some other town, almost kind of like a play. Other than the point when they were in the boat, for the most part, they are in his house on an island or his his own little sort of island, I should say, man-made yeah. island. No man is an island. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and just basically kind of focus on these two people and this relationship. And I really like that. I felt it was very pure. It was very well done, but it was very profound. Some of the dialogue just hit it out of the ballpark to me. Yeah. Really. I think what this episode illustrates also very well is that, and of course, the director slash co-executive producer, Michael Satrazimus, he seems to line up the shots just right, you know, along with the cinematographers trying to trying to get the angles that they wanted the most. And then a lot of still camera shots, surprisingly enough. And just to see all that kind of come together to weave this picture, it's not just the dialogue. It's not just the acting. I actually mentioned this. It's kind of as 
though the cinematography itself is another character, almost like the narrator almost. It gives you their perspective. Yep, I could definitely see that. The shots, the way things were shot were very interesting and the subtleties too. The progression of the relationship in very subtle sort of ways, even just where we start at the, at the, at the beginning of the episode and where we end. Laura, Naomi, right. however you want to, let's call her Laura. I was going to call <laughs> her Naomi like a, because I, I think that's her real name. She looks like a Laura. <laughs> It's so funny. You I was look like, like a Laura, right? You look like a Laura. I was like, well, what do Lauras look like? I thought to myself, I was like, do I know any Lauras? I don't think I do, actually. But um, yeah, I know one. I don't know. We have a mac and cheese club together. It's a thing. There's a mac and cheese club? You want to join it? Maybe. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> Sounds intriguing. <laughs> we got the Western mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, God. There is a place in Soho that makes amazing different kinds of mac and cheese. Oh, I know. We've been there. <laughs> Oh, it's good. I miss that. Murray's we mac don't have, and cheese. Yep. We don't have that in Miami, sadly. Oh. You know, because people here don't indulge like that. But that's okay. That's a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Major missed opportunity. <laughs> I don't know what they're missing. But yeah, I like the subtleties too. You know, they start off when they're watching TV and she's sitting on one end of the couch and he's on the other. And by the time we come to the end, the, the distance has decreased. It's closed. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I just, the subtleties. Just like the those, little things. Yeah. Those, it's the, little, those are writing choices. Choices right there. Those, those really are really good writing choices. Very good writing choices that really are small little details that go a long way to illustrating how far their relationship has come in terms of trust, in terms of intimacy. And it was nice to see something heartfelt. And also in light of the fact that from what we understand, she didn't get out of the stadium, according to Luciana. So in light of that, it just adds another layer of emotion behind it. It's like, this is the woman that that convinced him to kind of step off of this island. Because from what we see, he had a pretty comfortable routine. He would get it. He would have an alarm. Oh God, that damn trout. Do you remember that trout? Actually, (laughs) I kind of wanted to bring that up because it's not, it doesn't play what what, uh, the singing band no, alarm clock normally no. plays yeah it doesn't play the jingle no but i love it it's it they're playing take me to the river by al green and yes, i actually looked this right. up you know you it's it, right. speaking of that yeah you know, it's just very literal okay there's a river behind his house mm-hmm. but it's it's the idea of it, it really is just a, it's a lot a lot to do with unrequited love mm-hmm. you know someone who, basically al green this lady is treating him mean but loves her anyway mm-hmm. and the river he wants her to love him so that she, and and he's fine with her being mean with him because then it grounds him Mm -hmm. so i love you because you're mean to me Mm -hmm. and if you just come around i'll make it up to you i'll you grounding me will actually make me a better person yeah it's funny because you see john dory and he's an excellent person but he just he's not a part of the world and no he 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 is basically kind of an island onto himself and he's basically survived by creating this 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 moat that literally that just kind of protects him from the outside world Yeah. yeah from humanity and we see that so far it's been working for him he lives this life yeah he has his routine where you know he has his alarm set which is really fascinating considering it's the apocalypse but cleaning his weapons tending to any random walkers that seem to stumble takes down his little drawbridge so to speak right right does what he needs to do he has movies it's very interesting the meticulous nature of things even when they go to the store and he gets movies and he signs them out very sort of meticulousness about him yeah yeah it's exactly like you said it there's this routine and there's a routine if he follows this routine he's fine he's he's entertaining himself he has this thing that he does every day to keep himself moving 
it's safe and yeah. it preserves his sanity. Yeah, but you see that it's starting to wear on him. And I, I think it yes. goes back to this isolation thing because, uh, so there's two parts to this. One is that what you find out later on in the episode is that he's isolated himself far before the apocalypse. Yes, yes. He's been doing this for way longer than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and we'll, we'll talk about that later, but it goes back to something that I said about him and Morgan is that you get this feeling from the first episode that this guy has been alone for a really long time. Right. Much in the way that Morgan has. I mean, Morgan, yeah. with the thing that separates the two, honestly, if you really want to get down to it, is that Morgan didn't have much of a routine. No. No stability in that sense. No. And, and he isolated himself a little too late. Whereas Don yeah. Dory isolates himself early on. And mm-hmm. when we see him in this flashback, which is kind of essentially him basically relaying his story about Laura to Morgan by the time we reach the end of the episode. Right, right. What's interesting about that is you start to see it wear on him. As he's waking up in the morning or not quite waking up because he hasn't slept. That's a very important thing to pick up on. The routine is not enough. You're starting to see. And and this is a testament also to to the actor and Gary Dillahunt. You de- he definitely conveys the sense of quiet sort of unhappiness, desperation, but begrudgingly kind of going through his life and routine and trying to keep up business as usual. Right. But you can tell that malaise it is the word. That's a good one. Yeah. The general malaise. The general malaise. But it doesn't really bring him any sort of fulfillment or happiness or contentment. I mean, he like you said, he he's not sleeping. He tells as much to Laura. So Yeah. He's surviving but and he's holding on, but just, just barely. What's kind of interesting about the John Dory project and what he plans out for his life as a result of his circumstances. And when you compare that and transpose that to the Clark family's mm-hmm. proposition, let's say, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about what both people are trying to do. Now, obviously, they have there are two different people that are two different cer- types of circumstances. One is it's like a grass is greener kind of thing. Right. You know, John Dory has what the Clarks really want, essentially, like the self-sustaining yeah, environment sure. like, to want for nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the Clarks are struggling to get that. And yet they're finding meaning in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the John Dory episode serves to like there's this underlying tone that isn't readily available because you're really caught up in the love story and you really can't help yourself. Yeah, but you can't. The underlying tone is that it's not enough to be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something more, yeah. and, which is something that no, none of the shows, Fear of the Walking Dead <gasps> I, and The Walking Dead, have say, not really explored. I, I agree. I think you're right. I don't think that they've ever really fully explored. And this has been a criticism that The Walking Dead has gotten in the sense that, obviously, we know we're in the post-apocalyptic world and, and people die, people pass away, but there's never any sort of semblance of really talking or dealing with any of the emotions or grief related to it. It's sort of like it happens and then everybody just kind of moves on. And yes, okay, you do have to, but there's never really been a focus on the fact that the human element, the human relationship is so underestimated in this, in terms of your just sanity. And it's just something that they just haven't really focused on in this sort of level. Yeah, people are resources, but that's also in a very kind of cold way. Like it's not about like the emotional element about it or, or the the emotional intimacy about it. That's just sort of like, okay, well, if we want to rebuild this new world, you know, we can't eliminate all people because people are resources and they're required <laughs> to build a few. It's like, okay, yes, that is true. But this is not just about, okay, I found Laura and I have to take care of her because people are resources and we... <laughs> it's not, exactly. It's There's a slower that. pace to it. It's yeah. not about that. It's, oh... 
I've been here and I've been lonely and I've just sort of been here and here's this person that's washed up and I'm going to help you because I have no Good other intentions. intentions. I don't have any yeah. hidden intentions. It's I, I out of the, the goodness of my heart and all sincerity, I'm offering my home and anything that you need, even if you're going to go. I'm still going to help you because I, I want to. It's almost kind of like the... Um, just for its own right. Just for its own that's right. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the... the, the I'm going to say this, but the kind of privilege that John enjoys having not had to rough it out there too, though. He's obviously aware this is a post-apocalyptic world and he understands what's out there and what he need, what needs to be done in order to protect himself. But he hasn't had to... I mean, kind of like if we go to um, the vultures and that episode when they confront Madison and they say, well, you just haven't been tested yet. Right, right. I don't think he's ever come across a group, a a formidable group, an opponent, uh, a foe that is looking to do damage to you. Well, not even just even like the smallest thing. They're just the worst of people that that come out as a result of all this. Right. You know, he hasn't seen the the, the the dark side of humanity. Yeah, he hasn't seen the dark side of humanity. And because and you can tell that he hasn't been tarnished by that yet. And so far, uh, a, a lot of people worried about John Dory turning dark. Mm-hmm. I'm not as much and we can talk about that in the next episode, mm-hmm. but I, I think the end result of him not really being exposed to the worst of the humanity is that he's maintained his sense of morality. Right. Now, I don't think he's a dummy. He is a cop. Right. You know, he, he's seen the worst of humanity yes, even before the apocalypse. You know, then he, then he had his, his, his moment where things went wrong. Right. And it weighs and, on him. It's something that yeah, weighs it, it, on him morally and emotionally. Then that was sort of a moment for him that he he's had to kind of live with and that's part right, of his his, isolation his burden before. basically yeah his burden to bear and that was part of like the isolation that started even before all of this happened right right it's like a perfect storm of having this burden isolating himself maintaining a routine knowing in general that he's a good guy anyway in spite of what we find out his burden is i think overall he he does maintain and i think he does see himself as a as a good person a good person that did a horrible thing and the thing is that i think that we come away with okay this is a person who is flawed who isn't flawed but right 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 you know and recognizes his and flaw. Rec- but he recognizes his flaw and is dealing with that with the guilt of that right right and even still like the flaw itself the flaw that he sees in himself it still is wasn't from a malicious of, place like it's still yeah, wasn't it's not even that it's it's his flaw is technically taking his guilt and turning it into this handicap almost right that's his real flaw right because like, we've we all make mistakes a lot of it has to do with intentions he intended to disarm before the apocalypse uh robert basically goes into the local store the one he ends up frequenting a lot in the episode mm-hmm. and he goes hey i'm a cop don't move if yeah. i'm i'm a really good shot if you do this could get ugly mm-hmm. and then he shoots the robber in the leg but he, as he shoots him he, the robert turns and it ends up mortally wounding right the the thief mm-hmm. and people are basically calling him a hero but at the end of the day he doesn't see himself that way no. and, and the more people congratulate him want to give him more attention the more he wants to pull away from society because mm-hmm. he just doesn't feel it right. he doesn't feel the adulation right so it's this burden that he, he he puts on himself he just puts this thing on and and before he has a chance to reconcile with it and be okay with it apocalypse happens everybody goes away so he really doesn't have a chance to get any of that closure no. he's in his head the whole time mm-hmm. in isolation yep so what worst. do you do <laughs> But going back to the, my earlier th- point was that I think this is a perfect storm where because he hasn't been exposed, he maintains this sort of humanity being an overall good guy. I think it ends up being this really big net benefit to everybody involved in the in the present. Mm-hmm. So I think having having him the way he is, this kind of man out of time almost, yeah. having not experienced any of the, the follies mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of humanity going down the drain, 
I think he has a, a, a there's like a means to maybe balance the load basically like tilt the scales in a way morally yeah. <laughs> so we can hopefully equalize everybody yeah and, and I think that's what makes this episode so brilliant and beautiful and, and gives us a sense of why this guy is so out of place mm-hmm. the thing that we've been asking ourselves what the what we meet this guy in the first episode of this the, of the <laughs> and we're like who is this random gunslinger cowboy sitting around a campfire it was just so random and so hard to kind of figure this guy out odd yeah and it was like who is so odd i mean kind of well what's the name of that episode what's your story i mean it was what's this guy's story yeah story what's What's your your deal what's your deal exactly i'm like what is your deal dude oh man this episode definitely gave us the insight that we needed to understand where his head's at, where he came from, and why he's so fixated on this Laura. Yeah, 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 exactly. We almost thought that his thing with Laura was kind of a the thing to kind of pass the time, but no. It's like, no, it's, it's far more It turned more out to that. be wilder. Yeah. yeah, wilder than our, our crazy imagination. Yeah. And also the fact that she really was the conduit to catapult him really from his existence that he had to the point where he met Morgan or, or came upon Morgan. Oh, and yeah. He, Unstuck him, right? Yeah. On, out of time. Yeah. Pulled him out of his isolation and basically pushed him to say, nope, I'm not just going to stay cooped up in this house on an island forever and ever. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find her and I'm going to make this happen. I like the fact that there's so many more layers to this story and that her role or her character, Laura, you know, it's not a throwaway sort of thing. It's, she played a very important role to him. Yeah, it was convincing. At the end of the day, this episode was a huge payoff, again, mm-hmm. going back to the game theory thing, for all the misery that we've had to put up with. And and we put up with, I wouldn't say gladly, but we put off just in, 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 in search for a good story. Right. But we've had to go through these motions to to get the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead support groups going on yeah. in, by way of this podcast. Yes. So then you get this episode and I, I'll tell you to the point where I, I was having a quite a bad week last week. So I remember you telling me that it like totally yeah. lifted your spirits. Like indeed, it. yeah, and and what, what was good about that is that I was doing it for notes, so I get to pause every now and again, I get mm-hmm. to write things down, I get to really, really sink my teeth again in this episode. And then what I realized was there are moments where I'm like I'm on the verge of tears because it's it's just so good. It it's not even bad. like a bad cry. No, it was so good and it was so heartwarming, and it just made me love these characters even more. Oh yeah, it invested me even more, and which is something to be said because anybody can say this because you know these particular characters are not our our regular fear cast these are brand new characters that none of us had been had had come across until this season and i'm invested i'm in i i care i want to see and vanity fair is in by the way too which is interesting because you wouldn't think vanity fair would have a any sort of commentary on a uh right sort of zombie apocalypse um type of show yeah that that is a very good point they're both such good actors too jenna Elfman is amazing in her role. And and like I said, Garrett Dillahan too. They really just knock it out of the park and they really well, yeah. convey, you know, the sentiments and it just hits all the right notes. And I get it and I'm invested and I'm in. Yeah, I think it's very interesting when you get these, well, Jenna Elfman more than Garrett Dillahan. Because Garrett, Garrett Dill- Dillahan's done some serious acting. It's kind of a 50% comedic acting, uh, 50% dramatic acting or sci-fi acting, whatever. Mm-hmm. But Jenna Elfman, for the most part, I Dharma. think she's been, mo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's been in like these sitcom-y kind 
kind of comedic roles and just to see her yeah to see her get this kind of dramatic acting kind of chop yeah I think it's a really good entry point for her as a to earn those kinds of stripes I'm sure she's done other things before I know but she's been sort of typecast in the past as sort of like this quirky blonde when she smiles there's there's this acuteness about her which is great but she has been typecast for so long as and pigeonholed as this this type so I'm really glad that she's getting this opportunity to really flex her acting chops in a way that she hasn't had the opportunity to with other roles. Right. It's It's been such a boon for oh, her. Yeah. And she's paid it in kind. She's really done a great mm-hmm. job. And you know what? I, I'll be the first to admit... <sighs> I'm not a crazy fan of Jenna Elfman. No, I mean, I, I liked her as... But now I am. I liked her as a person. Like, I was never a huge Dharma and Greg watcher. I knew the show and I knew of her, but right. I was never like, a diehard watcher of the show. So I really wasn't super familiar with all the roles that she played or anything like that. But that's how I knew of her, basically. But this is 180 from that. And I, I like when I see that. I like when I see actors take on roles that are such a big departure from what you know them for. I respect that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And as always, it's always interesting to see mostly comedic actors mm-hmm. go into dramatic yes. acting and, and try to do something special. And people have gone into this before. Some people say that sometimes comics or comedic actors will, will do things that are way more interesting than that stand out more mm-hmm. than the usual dramatic acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The imperfection in the performance, in, in a way. Sometimes when you look at a comedic actor versus a dramatic actor, dramatic actors you see the, the actor and the actor is really the character. Mm-hmm. When you see a comedic actor, there's these imperfections that make you kind of flip back and forth. They make, they make you see them as the person and then, oh, they are the character. No, they're the actor. And then you remember that, that funny bit that they did in that other show and then you come back and that, that little bit of imperfection kind of makes you pay attention more I yeah. think instead of be like lost in the story right so do you know mm-hmm. what I mean there, there's like a special sauce is, is the way I'm going to mm-hmm. put it from here on in but it's that special sauce of, of not being quite 100% this convincing dramatic actor it pulls you into the performance even more it does more. it pulls you in because then they sound like real people exactly exactly to me it's more convincing because it it's an interpretation from a quote unquote real person rather than let's say a uh, dramatic actor when done right I'm not saying that everybody can, can do it effectively but when done right it, it's very convincing yeah yeah and, and relatable and th- as well yeah and that's 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 the key takeaway yeah. is that they're they just feel more like authentic, authentic people. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's the thing like comedians i think they're more observational i think they have a lot this of wide dramatic there's a lot of people that say that comedians have so much and that there's been different conversation about this that comedic actors or comedians in general have so much depth and even just a well of darkness which is part of where they no, but it's part of how yeah. they they approach things. It's like they have potentially this well of darkness, and the comedic aspect is, was is what they use to kind of counteract all of that. But the, but it's there. <laughs> that depth is there, and not all comedians. Some of them have had some major issues. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why I was laughing a little bit. I was like, oh, you mean the the egotistic narcissism that many of them have? Not all, but many. No, no, most. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, and and chronic depression, you know, all chronic those things. Depression, <laughs> drug use, you know. Yeah, there you go. Just, this, just list the foray of, of afflictions of, you know, yeah, again, disorders. Not all, but some. But most. <laughs> just saying. I'm not even going to say some. Most. No, I know. I got. But, uh, you know, we're all flawed, right? Let's go back flawed. to we're all flawed. We're all flawed. <laughs> Don't you know. kill me. Laura, uh, John Dory, we're all flawed. It's okay. Oh, no, we're not. No, none of us are John Dory. 
Dory. No. Um, no, no, Mr. John Dory. He's so kind and so sincere. Oh my gosh. Here is the driven snow. My God. I have to imagine that he, because I mean, obviously now, you know, they're so in part of this Walking Dead universe that they're going to cons and Talking Dead and all of that. I have to imagine that women are losing their minds for him now. They have to. I'm just saying, they have to. I'm wondering, actually, because it- They must. I, I've been seeing it. So here's the thing. The thing that I've been seeing is that I people say I love John Dory, mm-hmm. but I think he's too nice because I have not seen- Okay, when you compare the reactions to Norman and, and Jeffrey D. Morgan, yeah. I don't see those reactions for Garrett. And not to say that, look, secretly, I'm in love with him. Whatever. Yeah. I'll let you, yeah. Have, I'll let you all know. True. I, I haven't investigated as much, but he's also a fairly new character, too. That's true. Norman Reedus and, and you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan, not too too long, like what, a couple of seasons, two and a half seasons or so. Yeah. Obviously, Norman Reedus has been on since the beginning, so he's got practically 10 years of this under his belt, so he's endeared by many. The Darylettes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're ride or die for him. Topper but, every comment, man. <laughs> comment God, list. Those, yeah, those chicks are crazy. But and, and just as a side note, I, I saw an advertisement about one of the recent uh, cons that I think is coming up. And I think Mel from the Vultures is going to be at one of these. And I think that he he commented and kind of referred to Jeffrey Dean Morgan and was saying, hey, are you going to be there? Because I need you to hold my hand through this because he's never been at, at a convention setting and as a villain. And he has he's so apprehensive about what to expect in terms right. of fan reaction. Oh my God. Because I mean, you know, from a fan reaction standpoint, and that's why I mentioned the whole thing about Gary Dillahunt, it's like people get in it. Yeah. I'm invested, but I mean, not the way some... <laughs> yeah, I, I still have my sense of reality. <laughs> I have my sense of reality. Exactly. And no. that's why I go on Instagram because I do want to get a sense of reality. I need to see these people in, in a normal setting. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I mean, some people kind of, yeah, don't. No, they're, they're, they're way in. Way <laughs> All the comments about certain people, oh, they better be okay. They better be okay. They I'm like, oh, better be oh, okay. I'm like, okay. Freaking. Where's Madison? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that that is Mel's concern <laughs> or the character of Mel. I forget the actor's name. But, yeah, um, oh, yeah, please don't kill her. I, 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 I want to live. I, I don't want to yeah. be uh, <laughs> Dr. Eugene Porter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. Hey, listen, it's a testament to how good of an acting job some of these guys do. But true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, gotta keep the keep the reality in check. Yeah, to his credit, and this is something that I'll bring up, and I really can't bring up anymore because of the next episode. But mm-hmm. we have not seen a single vulture take out a weapon, anything no. of that kind. No. So we really don't know what they are capable of. Right. You know, we don't we don't see them going dark at no. all. No. At all. This so, is ominous threat. This is there. Yeah. This this vague threat, very vague, mm-hmm. to the extent of this is what it comes down to we're gonna wait till you starve and then once you're dead we're going to probably put you in a box and with numbers on it because you're a walker now mm-hmm. and uh and then just pick up the scraps and, exactly and then just just pick everything clean so that mm-hmm. we can walk out and, and do what we need to do keep mm-hmm. moving yeah and and that's it and that's it and then no threats of violence no and just a lot of advice mm-hmm. so yeah. in a sense you could say oh well he's kind of nice uh you know <laughs> he's providing guidance exactly exactly <sighs> 
So that's, that's one way to interpret it. Sure. We've been conditioned in such a way, you know, even with this guy's backstory. I mean, this back guy's backstory makes you think in a way, well, what makes this guy any different from any other protagonist? Mm-hmm. All this guy is doing is what he's used to. And he's the way he's encountering opposition is just by saying, hey, look, we got you surrounded. You can go in and out all you want. We're going to make it to your spots faster than you. And right. when yeah. you're left with no choice, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be the end for you. Unless you want to join us, more than happy. Yeah. So it's, and then they just either they grow their ranks or they grow their supplies. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. I'm still going to maintain, even though we've seen the next episode, I'm still going to maintain that, that the vultures are still kind of, I don't see them as a bad guy. There's no reason for me to think that they're bad mm-hmm. guys yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In spite of what they do, which it's kind of a lot different than the saviors. It's different than Rick's right. crew. Like they, these guys are fighters. They're scrappy. Oh, you know? yeah. These yeah, guys, yeah. So vultures, it's kind of like... It's a different approach. The path of least resistance whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what reason do I have to kind of hate them more than I hate any of the other groups? <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of silly. Yeah, it's true. But I, w- I kind of want to go back to the flawed character bit because I, I it, it does bring us back to the beginning of the episode in that yes. the first shot is done so well. It, it tells you everything you need to know about, hey, wait, ho- hold on. There's a walker on your porch and you're going out to mm-hmm. hit him with the axe. You were just cleaning your guns. Why don't you just use your guns? Right. And, and it's this still shot. You see him put down the gun on the banister. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in that same shot, the camera does not move. He's walking around. Yep. You see the blurry. I, I do. I'd like that. I did notice that. I thought yeah. it was very effective. There was a lot of really artistic shots in this. Oh, yeah. And that was definitely one of them for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yet the blurry figure, him taking mm-hmm. out the walker, done. Mm-hmm. And and. So you see right away something is up because he was he right. wasn't holding back before you know in no. the present but mm-hmm. now he's holding back there's something wrong here mm-hmm. and then you find out about the robbery etc and then and that really kind of ties it all together mm-hmm. this whole idea of this flawed character right it's just quite interesting to see this play out and then the fact that he held back from even saying the story because he just feels it's I don't think he was quite ready to tell her in the boat mm-hmm. Naomi mm-hmm. yeah because he was getting close mm-hmm. and it, it's funny because you were you were saying it before is that essentially overall Naomi basically brings him out and, and brings him out into the world yeah whether he likes it or not right and you know, in in one way of course by loving her mm-hmm. but in another way she ends up forcing his hand mm-hmm. when they see that the walkers have been spilling out of the overpass on the on the river yeah, yeah and they've yeah. been washing up on his house yes and they finally go out to they, they tried to patch it once fine mm-hmm. they had to patch it again with the car right and then you had the walker with the machete through his chest tearing open the jeep's vinyl windows mm-hmm. and on the way he finds out that she brings one of his guns yes do you remember this i do i do, do remember you, do you remember his reaction it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like pissed off yeah he 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 was he definitely was yeah yeah laura's you know, eyeing the prize she's, she's definitely scrappy but she basically forces his hand, like you said. And we start to get more and more pieces as to what is holding him back. And you keep seeing him constantly just holding back from just going there. So that moment when he does go there, the, the nighttime scene where basically you've got this overflow of walkers and, and you have this moment where she falls in the, the, the trench, essentially, of, of the moat. And he has to react. By the way, I love that scene. That was some sharp shooting in terms of stylistic shooting with the guns. It, it was the shots too, the way they lined up the shots. The way they lined up. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like a Western. 
Western. Okay, it, it was it to was paint like, the scene a little bit better. The, it, he's forced to to get the guns, right? He's forced to get the guns. Yeah, because because Laura because Laura is is overrun by walkers. They're yes. basically all on top of her. I know that was. Mm. And he doesn't do, he doesn't do it for himself. Yeah, I was skeptical too. I was like, I mean, uh, yeah, I was just people like, have been a bit for less. For <laughs> less, exactly. I was like, obviously, we know she gets out of this situation, but I was like, how in the world? <laughs> this. Yeah. 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 But, exactly. Okay, Mention yeah. the belief. All right. But I think that's the thing. That's that's what makes the, him him bust out the guns. That's what yeah. makes it so cool because you're like, what? <laughs> and, and then, then you see this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this shot. It's face forward. This tight shot of his face yes. and just the two guns. It's like an yes. old country western. It is. It's like, an, and I appreciate that. I love the style of that. I loved it. Oh my god. It was it was so cool. There's I a little kid it. that kind of jumped out of our chest at that moment. Yeah, because it was so cool. Here was the gunslinger that we basically kept getting teases of and we saw little points in previous episodes where he kind of contorted the gun oh yeah in the beginning right yeah like we've seen little pieces little like kind of hints of that but this is the first time we ever really kind of saw him in action oh in heavy action right yeah yeah exactly yeah and see that's the thing when he was in the in the jeep and faced with that machete walker and she had brought yeah, the gun man. against his, his to his against his, his will his against May. his wishes I'm sorry yeah, he, he, he did everything possible to not to use avoid. it yeah he did for himself but when mm-hmm. it came to Naomi he made the sacrifice doing something that he was not comfortable with he would not go that way to save himself but he right. would go that way to save her right even if it's something that he is trying to put behind him and that he does not want to do because of his new sort of moral code that he doesn't want to to succumb to he doesn't want to revisit that right. that place where he was before right but for her he'll go there yeah yeah when we go to the present in the initial like when we're in the first episode and mm-hmm. he even explains to to Al and and to Morgan that he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't kill he tries not to kill he tries not to yeah he's, so, so you see that he's maintained of, that still yeah yeah we so we still see that from the beginning of the of the season that he is trying to find this woman and he doesn't want to kill he knows how to obviously but that's not what he's trying to do yeah exactly and even like in general he just tries to avoid having to do that he wants to avoid a, those situations as much as he can yeah yeah he maintains this even after this encounter mm-hmm. so I, I just think it's very interesting to see that he's maintained like a balance now at this point where he's not afraid to use them at this point but you know right. he absolutely needs to but he yeah he will try to hold to them as mm-hmm. much as possible. Yeah. I almost want to go to the next episode, but I have to hold back. <laughs> I know. Everything I think was so beautifully done. And even the point where Laura washes onto his shore, he hears this noise, he comes out and hears this. She's not a mermaid, but it kind of made me feel that way. It's like I was just thinking that too. Oh my yeah, God. Like, like this is some sort of mythology thing. Yeah. Like, like the right? Odyssey or something, he washes yeah. up on the shore. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like the whole episode and these kind of little details just had that sort of feel. And so he comes out, and here's this serene creature that washed up on his shore. And he, I was thinking more like a siren, but yeah, yeah, like a siren. Yeah, exactly. Same, but same idea. Yeah, brings her Helen in. Helen of Troy, but yeah, Helen go ahead, of sorry. Troy <laughs> sees that she's got a nasty wound. Yeah, oof. yeah, and yeah, that was oof. Bye. <laughs> Now, yeah, he did assure her it's not a bite. So that's something. That's about as good a news. I think he said that's about as good a news as you can get in this world. I was yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. The, the yeah, biggest but- silver lining in this situation, sure. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. But no, and, and we see the same sort of Laura that we've seen 
very defensive. Obviously, she's been through some stuff, clearly. Well, yeah, even, even when he fishes her out uh, and mm-hmm. dumps her on the bed, mm-hmm. the first thing she says in this delirious, she says, we have to go back. Yeah. She, Where does she have to get back to? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're getting hints of now what is this squirrely character why does she say where she's from yeah sort yeah. of thing yeah so we definitely get little pieces and but she's very guarded but she wants to just kind of be on her way yeah and we do see kind of why later on in the episode because yes. she blurts it out in, in a she certain does. scene yeah she makes it very clear throughout the episode much to John's dismay later on as they're getting to know each other because <laughs> this wound is taking a very very long time to heal it's not yeah. as if it's taken days I, no. I would surmise that there she's been there at least a month. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, it took ain't no me. spring chickens ain't healing up that Listen, quickly. I had to be on disability for a month for a hand operation. So this chick's wound to the gut. Yeah, a month. Yeah. I'll yeah, give yeah, a month. A month tops. Tops, month. at least in the movie world. At least in the movie world. <laughs> so yeah, that's a long time to spend every waking every hour with waking. someone. You'll get to know somebody real quick. Yeah, especially a doting John Dory. Taking care of your every concern, at least in the first few days. God, the stitching up. Ooh, oh, I was like, man. oh, God, jeez. And you could see him flinching, too. too. Yeah, Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. He was like, ooh. Uh, but she she was tough. And I think that's why he um, surmised later on that she was a nurse. Because, I mean, she gave very clear instructions on what needed to be done. Yeah. And she would have done it herself, but like, the could angle... You? I couldn't. Oh, God. I, I mean, mean, maybe I could. Have you ever gotten stitches? To. You've gotten uh, stitches. I finally got stitches, but this was like microsurgery. So it was like two on each uh, microsurgical incision. Oh, so it was like two stitches, really? Per, per four. Hole. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Pathetic. No, I, I, I wasn't awake. <laughs> It so doesn't I've count. Had, I've had both situations. I've had situations where I've had local anesthesia and, and haven't felt the stitches. And I've had situations where I've been fully conscious and have gotten stitches. And that shit sucks. Oh, my <laughs> Sorry. God. Sorry. Yeah, I hope to never find out. Yeah, but yeah, that, ugh. I remember telling Eddie, my husband, about it. He was like, you felt everything? I'm like, every stitch. Yes, you single one. Do they not put any sort of local anesthetic on there? Depends on where you're getting the stitches. Oh, oh. Certain areas you can, it's a little easier. Even with this hand operation was mind-blowing to me. There's this in-between thing called sedation, which is what I got (laughs) for the hand operation, which I didn't know anything. I was like, what the hell is sedation? It's sort of like an in-between where it's not to the full extent of anesthesia where your organs operate a certain way. They give you an injection. It's it's applied intravenously and you literally kind of go to sleep for a certain point or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's not to an extent of a general anesthesia where you're out for this prolonged period of time. Right, but it dulls your senses. It keeps you you kind of sort of awake. No, I was out. Oh. I, I was out, but I guess it's not to the extent of a general anesthesia where it takes a considerable amount of time for you to wake up. And I have heard that when you're under general anesthesia a lot of people have adverse reactions when they come to there's side effects I didn't. coming out of it I didn't know I haven't it's all news to me but for me I just basically woke up and I was, you high five the doctor with your bad hand oh my god <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe we, that we did a podcast while I was on morphine. At the that, was awesome. that was awesome. It was like at the time I was just kind of like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, what wow. have we, what have I done? What are we doing? <laughs> Is this the right move? It, but you know what? I'm realizing in retrospect. Marquee episode. <laughs> I'm realizing that in retrospect that, oh, she didn't have the ability to say no. No. <laughs> so I'm like, oh I was my just, God. No, 
know, I was just like, sure, I don't have to share a room. I have my own hospital room here and I'm in a bed. <laughs> like, there's nothing that I can do. Literally. I'm, I'm like, the king of the castle, baby. I'm the king of the castle. What am I going to do? Like, I lay here and watch TV for like a week. So I would rather do something with my time. Oh, so good. So funny. It's so, it's so much better. It, 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 I'll say one thing. The episode ages very well. <laughs> it ages very well. <laughs> <laughs> can't even tell uh-huh. everybody what episode that was but it, it you'll see it in the episode details uh-huh. uh, basically it'll say something like dave is caffeinated carol is sedated or something like that <laughs> <laughs> let's do so, this that is so wrong but so true yeah it was exactly the state i was in yeah it's like i had to make uh-huh. up for for whatever what was going on but so funny. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. At no, the end of the was. day, it becomes very funny. It's listen, landmark episode. Landmark. <laughs> <laughs> Watershed. <laughs> Watershed moment. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have so many notes on this episode. This is ridiculous. There's a lot to dissect here. You no wouldn't pun think, intended. Though. You really wouldn't. It's because it's subtle. The episode doesn't beat you over the head with things, but it's little details that come up that happen that you notice and they go a long way to kind of making the end effective, the overall arch effective. And the little things that happen in between are the ones that kind of push the story along. It, yeah. it pushes the narrative. Oh, yeah. You remember when, you remember when, <laughs> when she ransacked his cabin? Yeah, she was looking for the keys. And God, she the- yeah, that was pretty crazy. He wakes up and she, she ransacked everything. And especially considering he's so meticulous. Whoa, she went through the cabinets. She went through everything. She was at the car. And the funny thing is that he kind of accepted it at that point. He was like, you know, if you're going to go, the keys are right there. You know, you can go. You can stay until you get better. But if you have to go, okay. Oh, but yeah, it doesn't work out well. Oh car. my God. You know what I just realized? Mm-hmm. The way he treats Naomi is the same way Madison treats anybody she comes into contact with. She does the same thing with Naomi, sure, but he, she does the same thing with Charlie, too. Yeah, and that anybody is else true. That they, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Wow. Because of the way you put it just now, I'm realizing, wow, okay, so there is this kind of generous nature that it's not only just him, it's no. Madison as well. She's that like, is true. hey, I don't want to invade your space. I want you to want to be here. You know, yeah. and I, I want you, I don't want you to feel attacked, feel like you have to be here, feel no. threatened. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I didn't even think it about it until just I didn't now. think about it either, but that's a very good point. He's very sincere. He generally is looking out for her best interests without ulterior motives involved. Right. It's the kind of person, like I said, is that that perfect storm of not having to see the worst in people, but knowing yeah. what people are capable of. Yeah. And I think he goes way out of his way to the point where he says, you don't have to tell me your name. I'm just going to call you Laura. Yeah. He doesn't push. He, he tries where he can, but he also knows when to back off. So right. he kind of respects that boundary, even creating the curtain. You yeah, know? I don't think he even tries to know more. I, I, I no, honestly don't. Push. No, he doesn't, he doesn't push he at all. No. In fact, he pulls like he pulls away. <laughs> and he creates the barrier that he that she wants. You can have this bed. Look, I made you a little curtain here so you can have your privacy. I'm going to be over here. You don't have to tell me your name. You look like Laura. So I'm going to call you Laura. Do you think before he really started falling in love with her? Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe he did this not only to just because he's a genuinely sincere guy, but maybe also to get back to his routine? of being away from people and society and the world. I mean, I 
think that there's a protective nature there too. He has to protect himself emotionally. So I, I, I agree. I think that there is an element of that where, yes, he wants to get to know her, but he's also still on guard of protecting himself, not physically, but emotionally and not getting emotionally invested. Especially because she's leaving, right? So Right, because he seems to be very clear about the fact that she's leaving. He's kind of accepted this. She's only here until she gets better and then she'll be on her way. So he tries to create this sort of boundary or boundaries. And with time, she's kind of the one that starts to inch towards him. Yeah, that's that's true. But you know, I think his, his boundaries sort of wear away too. Mm-hmm. I think there's a part of him that can't help himself. Mm-hmm try to while she's here let her in in a way yeah and i think that's his first mistake because you see that one scene basically she's almost healed up and and you know, not that she's about to leave but after all this time she does mention that oh you know what i should be good i should be ready to go soon and and it's that last day where they're they're pulling the jeep up and, and that whole scene that we described earlier and where they're about to leave mm-hmm. and you see in his face as he's about to go he's saying well yeah you know no problem i guess so mm-hmm. if, if you're feeling up because he's he's really upset about this he's really upset yeah. about hearing that she's about to leave he knows that mm-hmm. she's gonna leave he, mm-hmm. knew, he knew the whole time yeah but there's that part of him that let him, let her in just a little too just too much yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you and that that it's moments like that these little moments where you, you see the the bits of hurt mm-hmm. in, in his face when he hears it he hears mm-hmm. that you know it's oh, it's almost time to go and you see it in his face and he's kind of let down yeah and and he maintains that mood as they leave the cabin in the back mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just patch it up uh, yeah. she goes no 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 we we did this together you know you help me i'm gonna help you and he goes mm-hmm. well if you really wanna you yeah know, that, that kind of hurt and, mm-hmm. and I, as i was watching that i was like oh my god man yeah just, you got the love bite i know you got bitten by the bug i know you can see that he's grappling with it yeah yeah and it, it, it's and let's be honest it, it kind of sounds like a kid almost like when a kid's <laughs> like well if we really feel like it i guess yeah <laughs> I know. Maybe. I know. But I, I like it because it's cute. It is. Ve- it's endearing. It's yeah. endearing. I, I mean, like, it. it's it's very endearing because as much as she has tried to have a wall up, he has as well. These are both two people who are trying to be very on guard and protect themselves, obviously in her case, because she's been through some serious stuff. And in his case, not to trivialize what he's gone through, but in his case, it's more of a defense mechanism to protect his, his, his emotional. You know, protect sense. his heart. Yeah, protect his heart his poor heart but what do you think about the moment where she blurts out on the couch about she lost oh yeah yeah because he you know and that's the thing that moment is very interesting because Mm -hmm. as you know in the beginning of the episode he has a hard time sleeping and even when she's over he still has a hard time sleeping Yep. They fire up the candies and the popcorn and mm-hmm. she finally kind of eases into a movie. You cut to the next scene and he's already, he's fallen asleep on the couch, which means, it means know, that he she's, feels, brought, she's brought him some peace. Yeah, she's exactly. Or like some sort of, I don't know, fulfillment or some, some like kind of life, life is somehow resumed for him. Right. Some sort of contentment that he can fall asleep. Because I mean, listen, I've said this before. I don't know how anybody sleeps on this goddamn show, universe, <laughs> anything. Like when we had Walking Dead and we had the episode with when Tobin turned and, and the people <laughs> were turning or whatever, yeah. I was like, how are you all sleeping? I don't know how, I would, how anybody is sleeping soundly. Walkers are freaking rolling down the stairs and you guys are just... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> walkers are rolling down the stairs. Rolling down the stairs. And you have the audacity <laughs> to be sleeping. Not even have like at least five of you on guard. You know, I wonder. I wonder about that because I think in the, Rick in the past, you know, surviving in the wilderness, they would sleep mm-hmm. in shifts, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Sleep in shifts. The I heard one person that tried to come up that tried to excuse his behavior and basically said, at this point in the apocalypse, his last mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I showed him. <laughs> Continue. How did you school this this noob? No, I didn't say anything. I just was reading how, like, you know, a lot of people had this same criticism about that particular episode. And one person tried to basically come up with a theory and say that the reason, mm-hmm. and this is their attempt, say that the reason that people were able to sleep so soundly is that at this point in the apocalypse, people's ears are so fucked up from all the gunfire that this. <laughs> hearing is just not that great and then the internet made him a pariah oh my god and i was like okay (laughs) it's just they've been rattled they don't get rattled by 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 loud noises anymore by loud noises i was like oh just another oh it's daryl or it's it's uh dwight or something ignore it i was like wow well hmm. So like half of you is kind of like, yeah, but the other half of you is kind of like, what? Yeah. I mean, what? One half of you is like, what, what are you talking about? And the other half is like, well, realistically <laughs> speaking, I mean, people lose hearing over like freaking lawnmowers. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, we, we lose our hearing from concerts, you know, concerts, being stupid. Yeah. Never mind. Assault rifles. So. <laughs> 10 years worth of nine seasons, eight, nine seasons worth of assault rifles. Which amounts to, I think if you, if you look at the timeline, I think it hasn't been more within like three years, four years, five years, maybe something like that. Yeah. And and just now the fear timeline is kind of catching up to the current timeline, you know, because we've kind of forced them to kind of catch up. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So, yeah. So yeah, it's brought him some, it has brought him some peace to the point that he was able to actually nod off. And I think she recognizes that too mm-hmm. and, I, and that gives her that in and that gives her that moment for her to basically kind of come out with her truth to basically say i lost a child which was interesting because it reminded me of the episode where they first meet laura at the silos and mm-hmm. they asked her there's a child with us because they were looking for charlie's parents you know right, at that right. point and you can tell that she kind of gets emotional and she's like i don't have a child the way she said it in that episode definitely implied something and now in this episode we see she did directly right there's there's no way it could be my child right and this is why this is why yep so so heavy the way she did it was quite perfect as well yeah if you really think about it it's it's like there's there's no good way yeah Yeah. there's no good way to say it no there's no but there's a part of there that wants to reveal herself because of everything he's done Mm mm-hmm or, or even even still, I, I think maybe it's the fact that she's leaving and maybe the fact that she, her feelings are growing as well, mm-hmm. that at least she wants to kind of give him something. Yeah. I mean, it also can be a bit of a relief. Like, I mean, he has relief and feeling this peace that, that he cannot off and she's in a safe place. Yeah, like, exactly. She finally kind of internally comes to the conclusion that, yes, I am in a safe place so I can say my truth and it's okay. Right. She feels that she can and, and 
and she does. And it doesn't matter whether he hears her or not. She feels safe that she can go there. You know, it does a lot. Yeah, it's 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 funny because we've already seen the next episode. I feel like as this season or mid-season ends in a couple of episodes, there may be value in watching these episodes backwards because the next yeah. episode really gives you the sense of how significant the, the episode prior is mm-hmm. because you find out a little bit more about her. And, when, and, and after you do, and you think about the, the episode prior, oh, wow, to have that safe space to feel in some sense, not redeemed or, or but more there's a safety that, that somebody could make her feel special again after her dumping on herself for so long mm-hmm. from what must have been for so long suffering mm-hmm. for so long yeah <sighs> yeah it's 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 so to see her actually blurt, blurt those words out mm-hmm. is is just it's a relief mm-hmm. that she could talk to somebody about it yeah. and as you've seen with the group before again with the, with this group that i mean has obviously i i think they've tried to make her feel as safe as possible and i think there are john dory-esque elements that they they as madison said hey you can you're welcome to leave anytime just tell us mm-hmm. tell us mm-hmm. when you're leaving this way we know we're, we're one less car but to 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 the point where they she doesn't share her story with them even yeah. even knowing that that's love mm-hmm. bottom line yeah this is exactly. all we this kind of gives us the idea that there is love and she cannot love. help it herself she can't mm-hmm. help it but not hold back that one right. fact yep exactly yeah but now, show by the way, her vulnerability it, it, it's her basically saying to him i can't help the way i feel either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and which i think by the way the jeep i think it was the sequences that there was the jeep scene with the machete walker yes. then uh-huh. they go back they watch the movies the peanut butter Mm -hmm. brittle popcorn Mm -hmm. he falls asleep she tells him the thing Mm -hmm. and then the walkers come out right yeah yeah the the walker horde basically that spilled over the jeep i think yep exactly yeah as a result yeah as a result of uh, what happened with the jeep yeah and all that well that's interesting so that that happened she she couldn't help herself in spite of that that scene not having happened yet and Mm -hmm. then he really saves her life and then he really like legitimately saves her yeah right i mean he he saved her life before by stitching her up and all that stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and making her feel safe and right. washing her up and all that. But yeah, this is this is above and beyond. Yeah. And I think he needed that. He needed mm-hmm. to be the hero again, to be mm-hmm. an actual hero. Yeah. Save somebody exactly. he loves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And you know how it is, right? When when you're getting the compliments and when you're getting when you're being told <laughs> from the one you love that you're a hero and that you did the right thing, it there uh, is some people say, Oh, it doesn't count because you're biased, but I, you know, I think you tend to trust the people that you love. You know, they're not gonna of course. The people that you really love, like your spouse. Yeah. I mean, not your family. Fuck them. <laughs> but your, your spouse. I'm not talk about them. You know, your spouse will give it to you straight. Right? Yes. In spite of the fact mm-hmm. that sometimes it can be boobs or whatever like that. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll give it to you straight and they'll, they'll yep. be honest with you if, if they're really worth their salt. Mm-hmm. I think he does take that to heart. You know, yeah. He, he's still going to try not to be the, try to shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think there, yeah, it reaffirms the fact that I don't think he thinks he's a bad guy. I just think that he yeah. is this burden that needs to lift. Yeah. Yeah. just needs to be lifted. They played Scrabble too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. I thought that was very cute, especially considering he would be playing Scrabble alone in the beginning of the episode. Now he has a Scrabble <laughs> companion. Uh, it's, I don't know. I yeah, it's it a little bit more shallow. Yeah, because th- he's just trying to keep his mind occupied, right? Jesus, yeah. You have to try to keep your mind occupied. Otherwise, what are you going to
going to do? He, he does a very good job in trying to maintain his sanity as best as he can. But the emotional burden has obviously been there, and which, which this has been like the motivator for isolating himself. And now finally, he's starting to kind of let someone in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. And speaking of that, by the way, do you remember when they go to the store? Yes. Now, I'm not going to go over the, like, the, the whole what they do in the store. Right, it's, right, right. It's, not that it, it's not that important. The, the, the store is left pretty much intact for mm-hmm. anybody to really go in and, and take whatever they want. He doesn't hoard all the items. No. That's one thing to get out of the way is that this guy takes what he needs and, you know, he moves mm-hmm. on. If somebody comes by, it's there for them. Mm-hmm. But the most the most interesting thing is the actual VHS rentals. Mm-hmm. And now, I want to let you know that I actually wrote down some of the titles, all the movies that have been rented out in recent memory. <sighs> Every Tuesday, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. from ne- uh, McNeil's Bait and Beer VHS. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to yeah. go through the list now. Okay. Now, there's the list of the movies and then the review. He actually gives a review in the sign-out sheet. Oh, my God. Yeah, he writes his name. So, so it's from the top. <clears throat> there's Labyrinth, and he writes okay. Unsettling. <laughs> That's accurate. This gets really funny. On Golden Pond, which is very sad. Yes, it is very sad. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Smoking the Bandit. Excellent. Naturally. <laughs> Exclamation point. Naturally. Somewhere on time. Questionable. Okay. I don't think I saw that one, but okay. This is, And here's a, like a complete left turn. Glitter. And oh my ca- God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And in caps, not as funny as promised. <laughs> <laughs> I love these writers. I, I love this pun. This is there's this pun right here. Uh-huh. The Green Mile, too long. <laughs> uh, watership, watership down. Uh-huh. Wish it was longer. <laughs> oh, God. So That's yeah, we got one. too long. Wish it was longer. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, too violent. Just too yeah. violent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Road to Bali, good time. Oh my God. <laughs> Now, here's what's interesting. Uh-huh. Meet, meet John Doe. Okay. And that's the current rental. So he has no review <laughs> yet. So it's signed out, not signed in. Now, I looked up uh, Meet John Doe yeah. as a movie. Yeah. And it's about... It's about a new uh, journalist okay. that picks up this hobo that used to be somebody and he talks about ending his life and, uh-huh. and he, he, it's just like this manifesto, basically. Hmm. And the weird thing about that is that it is, it's a story about somebody that pulls another human being out from their routine, hmm. the, mm-hmm. this life that they've gotten used to. Mm-hmm. If something had happened to them mm-hmm. and, and they went to this, on the, he's a hobo, you know, so mm-hmm. he went into this this uh, indigent life, let's say, okay. and they pull him out of that again and and as a result, things change for the for that person, and mm-hmm. they also change for the journalist as well. Hmm. You know, so it's a very interesting story. You know, when it, when it comes to that, it hmm. shakes up every everybody involved in, okay. in, in the story. So I found that kind of interesting. So meet John Dory. <laughs> By the way, speaking of names and John Doe and, and and movie references, I did think it was cute when he introduced himself. You know, he said his name is John Dory, and she's like, John Dory, your name's John Dory, and he's like, yeah, like a fish. Yeah. Like, I was like, hey, Dory. <laughs> And you like fishing. Oh, yeah. Goes, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and she goes, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you got you to throw it in there, right? Got to throw it in there. So, so like, like the finding fish. Dory, like finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. That should have been rented out. But you fish for those fish. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They do go fishing. Oh, she learns how to fish? Yeah. yeah. He really takes her under his wing. Well, they kind of help each other. Like if, if you think they about do. the stitching instance, you know, now yeah. he has that. 
And even, you know, by the end, I mean, they're working as a team. When these walkers overrun their place and he calls out to her, I mean, she comes and they start hauling ass, both of them. Yeah. By the end, they definitely have a, a camaraderie and a level of trust that they're going to back each other up. Yeah. Yeah. And they get used to each other. And they, it's, it's great. It, it, like you said, the scrabble. Mm-hmm. They, they get into awesome. the routine together, but it's different. Mm-hmm. She's doing things willingly and not begrudgingly anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, before she know it, they, they kind of slide into that routine. And mm-hmm. and you know what? That, that's the thing. It really does kind of go back to what we were talking about is that it's it's not enough to grow this, these crops and be self-sustaining and, and, and survive and all. Yeah, it's not enough. No, it, it's it, not enough. I, I think it's about people. It, it is it's, about it's, people. It's really more about the people. Like the you can struggle connection. and yeah, yeah. It makes you think about life in general, mm-hmm. how you connect with people, what you do in life. And what does it mean to be alive? Yeah. Being alive is not just breathing in and out and going through the motions and eating and drinking and, and pooping. That's, and pooping, yes. Like, yes, in, in a very literal sense, you are alive, but he was pretty much emotionally just a robot going through the motions, but just kind of lifeless. Yeah. And having that human connection is what wakes him up. Yeah. And brings him back to life again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It pulls him out of out of his routine. It it shakes him into life. And I want to save this for the end because it, it happens at the end. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, I think we are there. Yeah, we're kind of approaching that point. When she sits on that couch and she sits close to him, I thought that was so sweet. And he's so uncomfortable. <laughs> he's like just leave me be i was like oh oh yeah that exactly exactly him him holding his hand up i can't i can't do this i can't can't do this he he's kind of accepted that she's gonna leave he's accepted that when she gets better she's gonna leave so i am not going to get any sort of emotional attachment here because why am i gonna bother she's just gonna walk out of my door walk out of my life and i'm never gonna see this person again he's like i love you and i didn't want you to know and then she goes why didn't you want me to know? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, because you're going to leave. And I don't want you to. <laughs> Oh, God. If you want to be on your own, stay. I'll go. I, I need you alive. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting it emotional. Was, it was so sweet. If you're it, alive, this whole world feels alive. Yeah. And that's what I mean about feeling alive. And feeling alive is not just the literal feeling alive, but it's also an emotional. There's an emotional aspect to feeling alive. And it's about the human connection. Yeah, man. It, it reminds me of the things like my mom lives for us kids. Right. I, I know I'm like, oh, yeah. like, you're going from this love story to your mom. No, it's all love. Let's keep going. It's all love. (laughs) But no, she was lucky enough to be a Mm -hmm. stay-at-home mom. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the things she said, whether she was angry or not angry, There are moments in time where you, where you wonder, oh God, she really would do anything for us. Even like stand in your way when you wanted to go out and it was not mm-hmm. quite the savoriest place when you're a teenager or right. if you're doing something right, they'll mm-hmm. lift you up They'll they'll yeah. and they'll do anything to kind of be your own cheerleader or your worst cop, you know? Right. So they'll take a bullet for you, that sort of thing. So yeah. it, it just makes you wonder. So that translates when you're a kid and you're looking for love. And, and mm-hmm. when he did this, it reminded me of what it was like to be a teenager. Your hormones are kind of intoxicating mm-hmm. that you're almost at, at the, their mercy yeah and when i saw him do the hand motion please just like get, get back I, yeah it, you know never mind me it, it it reminds me of what just being a teenager was like like i gotta i gotta leave i gotta take a walk you know i need to take a deep breath i need to mm-hmm. i need to get away from this situation because mm-hmm. it's too intense for me i can't think properly i don't want to say mm-hmm. what i got what what i want to say because if mm-hmm. it's not going to make a difference yeah and if i start talking about this then i'm going to have to say the whole thing 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to like open the, the stressing the, me out. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to open the floodgates. And 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 then it happened. You sense all of these different emotions coming off of him at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to know that I love you. I feel stupid saying it because yeah. I don't want you to think that it's nothing. I don't want you to think it's because you're because you're just a, a human woman right. in the apocalypse. You know, yeah. it's not that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's serious and and yeah. And I feel stupid just for thinking. It's like all these things that kind of go back and forth. I know it's stupid. It's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I know you got to go, but I don't want you to. And you know, I'll go. You stay, and I, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Just I just need you alive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just uh, it's I mean, it's things we do that dialogue was right up there with some of my favorite love storylines and I, I don't like your your typical love stories because i find them to be so like i like flawed <laughs> I, I like flawed love stories probably one of the most romantic lines ever was in as good as it gets with jack mm-hmm. nicholson and uh, helen hunt so you have this really flawed character who falls for this this woman she has her own burden as a matter of fact and he has to pay her a compliment he he kind of messed up he's not the smoothest person he's fairly <laughs> awkward and yeah. so he identify he's already kind of put his foot in his mouth basically he's not the most smooth character he's not the most socially he's socially inept he's a little socially awkward and so to make it up to her she basically tells him like you better be you better pay me a compliment right now to make up for your stupidity right and he was like okay i've got a great compliment for you and <laughs> she, she tells him she's like i'm afraid this is going to be really bad <laughs> Yeah. And so he tells her that he has this sort of anxiety issue. And nine times out of 10, the issue can be fixed with medication. And he would rather do anything than take all this medication or pills or anything like that. Now, he said there was there was a moment where he kind of met up with her and she went on a tirade being like, we're never going to be together. Don't get your hopes up or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And he said the day after he had that confrontation, I started taking those pills. And she was like, okay. <laughs> She's like, I don't understand how that is a compliment to me. And he takes a deep breath mm-hmm. and he looks at her and he says, you make me want to be a better man. And that's the compliment. And that's the moment that everybody basically fell out of their chairs. <laughs> <laughs> this complete boob. It was like, oh. Says the right thing at the right it time. Says, and, but it's so simple from a flawed character that's like, hey, you just make me want to be a better person for you, for the sake of you. Right, right. Not for me, because if it were up to me, I don't care. Which is kind of similar actually oh yeah it's this confrontation he's struggling he wants to do what's best for everybody it's almost as if he's kind of hogtied himself mm-hmm. from being able to feel anything mm-hmm. and in spite of himself he's having himself he can't he can't not do it he can't no. he can't not tell her how he feels no no for all intents and purposes from his point of view he's like i just done a wrong thing like i just this wasn't supposed to be about me i was supposed to be mm-hmm. you know what she's supposed to heal up mm-hmm. supposed to go on her way I wasn't supposed to violate that privacy fence mm-hmm. yeah. you know and there we are yeah and that's it seal the deal yep but then sadly he wakes up the morning after with the scrabble letters full night's sleep, all night's sleep. With the Scrabble letter spelled out, I love you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. And Morgan. you know what? We, we quickly switch over to the present. Yes. We, we've yep. got Morgan. And, and he immediately. And I, 
I love this relationship between these two men. I really, yeah. I, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. And I love that again, it's the subtleties here. Morgan started off this season. No, no, I don't need any friends. No, no, I don't need any of this. Look, he's become essentially his right hand, his companion, listening to his story and giving him advice and reassuring him that no, because, you know, at one point, John Dory says, I shouldn't have said anything. And he's like, no, none of us know how much time we have. You you did the right thing by saying something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the first thing you see, even from that fl- that flashback, is the, the tin of letter saying, I love you. Yeah, he still has them. That's the thing with Morgan is that he's been surrounded by such abject misery. Oh, it's yeah, just geez. all over the place, man. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what I said. Actually, probably the, this whole season is that he's been exposed to a type of reality that has been just every wrong move made mm-hmm. has brought him further and further down. Yeah. At some point he finds a, that bit of peace and I think it acts more like a bookmark mm-hmm. when you really think about it, like a like a moment in time where he learns something and then it completely gets unlearned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, he goes further, descends further and further down this rabbit hole of, of darkness. Mm-hmm. And I walked away with the, with the impression that maybe this group isn't the best thing for him and maybe we're transporting him to a situation where he can be with somebody like this I agree this male brother where he needs to be with yeah he needs to see that life can be beautiful that's how his relationship with Rick was at one point when this all started or could have been right or or could have been before Rick went off the deep end oh man didn't take long (laughs) I'm still 150% team Negan on this I'm not gonna get into it I'm team Dory right now (laughs) I am totally team Dory and I really like this friendship I really like yeah. this friendship. It's really good for him because, and it, it doesn't hurt that these two men, like I said at the top of the show, these two men are born of isolation, mm-hmm. practically, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Both men were on their on their own island, and and both need to needed to get out. Now, yeah. some, some were crazier than the others. Yeah, but I, no. At first, he feels kind of embarrassed about relaying the story to Morgan. Mm-hmm. And Morgan mm-hmm. assures him, you know what? She loved you. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, like you said, Morgan said, you know, don't. There's no sense in waiting, man. No. And, and it's no. at that. that moment that in his head you can see that smile and he's like fucking rick fucking rick was right he was right i didn't get it at first but he's like he's like there's no waiting not in this world yeah so waiting that's how you lose people Mm -hmm. yeah that's what he says yeah and john even says he's he's kind of embarrassed and thinking that they could even have a second chance after Mm -hmm. finding out that Mm -hmm. she dies Mm -hmm. but the way morgan kind of talks to john is he he basically does the same thing he did to nick you know you hold on to that feeling Mm -hmm. you know it's this like little opportunity and listen John in the in the good fight mm-hmm. and maybe you and me can both show the rest of the group there's another way mm-hmm. it's not always about fighting and killing and dying mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know Morgan knows his pattern all too well and where it goes you know, yeah now he knows he's a seasoned veteran yeah and, and, and for a split second and, and this is where like I started getting really worried really fast mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh no maybe they're right about John Dory John is actually wondering if, if the group is actually right about all the vengeance and all that stuff yeah but Morgan quickly kind of yeah but yeah. i mean i was like oh, oh, oh no 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 don't don't do that don't do that <laughs> john don't, don't there. <laughs> we just had there. a really beautiful episode yeah and it goes look me in the eyes and do you honestly think that and, yeah yeah and, and you I think that know. he's gonna make an excuse and he goes no, well I you don't. know maybe they're right about that yeah. the world's kind of ugly no, but, and, like, I, and i like that he was honest he's like no i don't yeah no. oh such a cute man he's such a because you know what he's just sincere there's a sincerity about him i mean like borderline almost innocence in a way yeah, i don't want to say that because he's he was a cop, you know. Yeah, no, he's he's yeah, but he's 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 sincere. He's sincere in his intentions and his feelings and where he's at, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah he's honest with himself more than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love the friendship between these two men. I really do. Yeah. I really, really do. We're alive. We're mm-hmm. part of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's it's that let's not waste another second. No. Exactly. You don't know how much time you have. Yeah. So don't don't waste another minute. Mm-hmm. Especially after the apocalypse. You think you have all that's the thing. Take that into stark contrast from from where we started in the season. Mm-hmm. Morgan wasting time in the heaps. <sighs> yes, just My basically God, killing man. time. Just killing time. And it makes you wonder did he have the thought of running just running away from that from from that place sooner mm-hmm. and had he obviously things would have been really really different mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he left at, at the right time but mm-hmm. you know this he could have left a long time ago he could have been part of the world a lot sooner but i yeah. think he needed to be somewhere else and, mm-hmm. and i think the more and more we see these scenes with him and john mm-hmm. and, and maybe even with the rest of the group nick yeah and, and the sweet moments he had with the rest of the group saying goodbye to nick mm-hmm he's exactly where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And and I could not be more happy that they brought him over. Really did. I agree. I wasn't sure necessarily what direction this was going to go and how Morgan was exactly was going to fit in to this bigger landscape of a story. But I like his presence on this show. I do. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I feel like they almost designed this season of Fear of the Walking Dead around Morgan in a weird way. There's like an overarching story that at the end of the day is going to come back to him. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that at the end of the day he is going to play a very pivotal role and it's going to come back to him I don't know how exactly but I I think so especially because partially just because of the hype that it's like and especially (laughs) I guess so you're right yeah Yeah. partially because of the hype like you can't just say oh boy this big crossover and it's like no he's just kind of you know side player or like even like okay oh this is just a huge gimmick to get people to watch fear and it's true but but I think there's more yeah I think there's more to it than that because there's gotta be how about that that yeah. there has to be, especially because I just look at it from the overall vantage point. This this season has been a complete overhaul in every yeah. respect. Yeah. And you're not just having Morgan, but you have characters like John Dory, Althea, brand new characters, brand new threat, brand new opening. So the approach is just everything. It's just, a, it's, it's practically a whole new show. <laughs> I feel like the tagline of the se- of this season is Fear the Walking Dead. We're going to make you give a damn about this show. We're going to make, yeah, we're going to make you care. We're going to make you care. Yeah. Okay. I do maintain what I said in the last episode is that I think these characters do breathe new new life into the Clarks, basically. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. I, it really does make you give a damn about the Clarks and how mm-hmm. they fit into all this and, mm-hmm. and how everybody else fits into their story. Mm-hmm. I want this to still be about the Clarks in the, at the end of the day, hmm. no matter what anybody says. Side note, I, was, <laughs> I know a lot of people that were more... <laughs> Quick Famous last out. words. I know that there were a lot of people talking about invested in the Clark. I know a lot of people that were more devastated at Nick dying than Carl. Yeah. What's your take on that? I, I wholeheartedly I kind of, agree. I, I was going to say, I kind of agree. And I, I, I can't believe we didn't bring this up sooner, honestly. I know. I know. Well, it's been insane. But I, I <laughs> yeah, a lot of emotions, ups and tremendous downs, downs. And, and planes, trains and automobiles. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Scrabble I boards. Like, oh, I can't. <laughs> but no, but it's a very valid point. Even if I think about me as somebody who, again, I was not a diehard fear watcher, but right. personally, in my opinion, I think a lot of it or, or part of it had to do with the approach to how they handled the death of Nick versus the death of Carl. And, and my feeling for that yeah. is that yeah. I think that the way Nick passed away just was so jarring and shocking that even me as somebody who was not, let's say, as emotionally invested in 
his character as somebody like like you or or anybody who's been there from like season one, episode one, I was sort of like, oh whoa. Well, you were just getting to know him, right? Yeah, I, I, I found it was very shocking. Like it was it was very shocking. It was beautifully done with Carl. I felt it was hammy. Over the last several months since he died, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and that it, it's almost as if the way it happens and and the nature of him him dying, mm-hmm. the slow death across a couple of episodes, and the episode that where he actually died was like a 90 minute episode where it felt and and I say hammy in the sense that he had a kind of dissertation monologue episode where it's like oh my gosh is this really going to happen in this episode or not really <laughs> like it yeah. literally got to the point that I was just like oh maybe he's not going to die because Jesus like we're he's still talking isn't he <laughs> You know? Yeah, and you know what it is? It's kind of like, I don't think they could have anticipated uh, the, the kind of skepticism over him dying, mm-hmm. honestly. I think there was a bit of it, and it should have gone away mm-hmm. right before the mid-season break. Mm-hmm. But I think it carried on into the to, into this, this, the back half, basically. Yeah. Was... If you would have just accepted that he was dying, that mm-hmm. maybe you would feel a little bit okay about these yeah. monolog kind of scenes. Mm-hmm. But then there's the nature, nature of how Nick dies versus how Carl dies. Mm-hmm. Nick dies in action you know or in in motion you know exactly exactly. and and carl is basically incapacitated for that 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 uh, episode nine and it just feels very senseless which i mean i guess that's well it just drags out and he doesn't get to die in a blaze of glory no and and, 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 you know what i mean like i know it's kind of a cliche yeah cliche but also kind of like a a simplified way of kind of saying that but but it is kind of true ish it is it is true I, I don't feel that I don't feel that the way they handled the Carl death was necessarily the most <laughs> compelling. I way. feel like we've already said goodbye, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's the thing we just it just hasn't happened, and yeah, yeah, it it just wasn't handled in the way that I think was the most effective way to do it. Whereas Nick's death was very shocking. You know? Yeah, I mean, we got to grieve really quickly. Yes, it's it it, it hit you really hard, and yeah, and, and almost stayed mm-hmm. with you for a while. But, yeah, but, it was haunting. Yeah. Well, with Carl, I think it was more of a ramp down. You were feeling yeah. it over the course of these episodes, mm-hmm. you know, and even after, well, afterwards, mm-hmm. several episodes afterwards. Mm-hmm. So there was a cool down period. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's the thing. It's kind of like you were saying before, in this world, there's really no chance for a real mourning. Yeah. No. And after mourning for so long on our own, mm-hmm. us as watchers, have been, mm-hmm. we've been mourning for the past two and a half, two plus seasons. Yeah, yeah. Glenn. All so right. it's enough. So when you get these drawing episodes like Nick mm-hmm. and, and then having everybody around them almost all the Clarks mm-hmm. where's Madison and yeah. then you know rallying around Nick's death and then mm-hmm. and then you get this really good finally like a payoff mm-hmm. episode like the one we're reviewing you now with Laura mm-hmm. and John mm-hmm. we need some good high moments we need yeah. an occasional uplifting episode to remind us okay it's not just mm-hmm. about grinding us into the pavement yeah, <laughs> yeah. episode after episode yeah that was season seven so it's almost <laughs> as if yeah and so it's almost as if it's like an insult almost to have Carl's death drag out so long. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. guys, come on. You, yeah. You've desensitized us to a point where yeah. it, we were ready to say goodbye in, in episode eight and maybe the beginning of episode nine. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, come on, let's do this already. Yeah, you know? yeah. Let's not drag this out any longer than we have to. We're sad, mm-hmm. but now you're kind of making us not sad. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Let us grieve. Yeah. I mean, and this is why the Glenn death was what it was because as much as many of us saw it coming, we didn't because of the whole Abraham fake out. So then when Glenn was killed, it was so shocking. Why? <laughs> it's something that we touched on during covering Nick's death 
Uh, it was the idea of wasted, not wasted potential, but like potential lost. Potential loss, yeah. What's good about what Carl did in those episodes, and I think it was a good thing, is that the letters, the him being able to express what he wants the group to do go moving forward, he was offered an amount of closure that not a lot of people get to have. Yeah, a lot of people don't get a chance to have that sort of wherewithal to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my last words to everybody I want to give to, and I'm yep. going to get my things in order. Yep, yep, yep. When it, when it comes to people like Nick, people like Glenn, there's a potential and there's a lot of potential energy that gets just all of a sudden gets lost and yeah. that sticks with you and that hits mm-hmm. you hard. That hits you hard because so, of that loss. That so that it's not, it's, yeah, it's not just the, the, the whole ramping down and, and making us suffer some more. That sucks and they suck for doing that. <laughs> Let's be generous and say, okay, Carl was offered that ability to have closure. So there is that. It does take the stink off of it. It does make it hit a little less hard because Carl basically set up the new world yeah. that they were going to walk into. Now, Rick just had to open the door to that new world, but... Stop being crazy. Yeah, stop being, <laughs> stop being crazy, Dad. Yeah, listen to your son. Okay, Carl. <laughs> I'll do it for you, Carl. Oh, God. <laughs> but I won't do it for another eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, so damn, Rick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn silly, wet, hairy, curly Rick. <sighs> I don't want to get too spoilery, so I haven't really delved too much into trolling what's going on. But yeah. I decided to lift the veil of silence on possible spoilers, even okay. comic spoilers on the show, because I think I think there's a missed opportunity in, mm-hmm. in first of all, not only in having your expertise and your thoughts on spoilers. But also, I think there's an opportunity to see my reaction yeah, <laughs> as no. well to these spoilers. No. That's what makes this 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 little union just so magical. Yeah, I'm coming at it from a place of having this particular back. <laughs> You've been soiled, <laughs> been soiled by the comic books. I'm soiled sorry, by the comic book. But you're coming at it with a very clear and fresh, open mind, like a John Dory. Exactly. One I can mean, only hope. <laughs> I mean, but I like to always say I'm not like these fanboys that are like, no, it's got to be exactly how it is in the Thank comic. goodness. I, no, it doesn't I, work that way. We wouldn't be here. <laughs> no. This, this is boring. This is I don't stupid. like talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. Why are you arguing with me? The comic is right. God, I can't even stand that. So it just, it's just so ridiculous to me. I've heard, I have heard these people with these arguments and they're like, well, the source material is, is perfect as it is. Why would you need to like make any kind of changes? I'm like, because you have to adapt it to a new medium. It doesn't yes, work the same way. Exactly. You know, you know where it's most infuriating? <sighs> yeah. It, it's when you see it. First of all, on the actors' mm-hmm. Instagram, it's kind of like, I don't have much control over this character, man. So no. I don't know why you're getting upset with me. No, no I mean... You killed I mean- Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like for like weeks. Yeah. I'm like, why, no. why'd you kill Nick? Okay, Michael yeah. Satrazimus. No, I mean like that poor little girl better not show her face at any of these comic cons. Oh I my mean, God, poor uh, Neesonson. What's uh, her name? Charlie? Uh, well, Charlie's the, uh, the character. Yeah, Yeah. no. Even Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he'll, he'll say it's a whole new level of stardom because you'll be in places and you have people telling you to go to hell. And <laughs> like, you know. To his like, credit though, you have to admit he's fueled trolls all across the internet. New good! Yeah. New good! Hashtag. But he is, well, he, he defends his character and listen, I completely understand his argument because I've said it many a time. So, mm-hmm. he, I... <laughs> You know how I feel. I always go back to why'd you kill all those saviors in their sleep? 
you know that's, that's kind of it's kind of fucked up rick you know like just saying yo that's cold that's, that's, cold, that's rick. cold that's cold like that's I, even cold, remember, glenn. I even remember that episode and daryl and glenn looking at each other like whoa this is a new level of cold what like, did we just, just do yeah yeah exactly so yeah that was the turning point that's called the, the turning point um yeah he 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 gets into it sometimes but it's just so funny to me because he'll say the same thing and it was it was actually very interesting speaking about comic book spoilers because in a recent interview they were talking to him about his big motivation for taking on the role in the first place and he was saying how he was a reader of the comic book and he loved the character and what he found so fascinating was the relationship of Negan with Rick's son Carl and and how this explored another side to him and the interviewer was like yeah and then they killed the kid and he's like and then they killed the damn kid and he's he was like I was not happy with that decision he was like but, I know and 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 they asked him Do they confer with you with any of this stuff he's like no I mean the decisions are made by the writing team and obviously with Kirkman's blessing but he's like you know we don't have any control over what happens to, to the character or, or another character you know relationship or whatever that's not that they have no semblance of control over any of that they just have to kind of run with it yeah, yeah so that's goddamn gimple is code <laughs> yeah yeah he doesn't care you yeah, know? But somebody's got to be the axe man right somebody's got to tell people what to do somebody has to pull the strings and like i said i'm very curious to see where this season goes i could say that i know stuff from the comics but it's like at the same time it's killing off carl kind of shows me that i can't really rely on my comic expertise necessarily because they could basically say screw that we're gonna go this route instead well i mean we could probably draw a couple lines and see where they go yeah i think once we get to the first episode it'll pretty much cement on what direction we're going with this where are we how many years has it been what's going on because we basically are cleaning the slate the war is over brand new we got some baggage oh there's baggage there's there's so many things that are left over though between the whole maggie resist that whole dark force and within the the camp i wonder if the things that we talked about basically the potential of of her being a possible enemy and i've had Mm -hmm. i've had time to think about what we talked about too and uh, it's seeming more and more likely that that i i I might actually agree that if they are going to go the whisperers are out Mm -hmm. maggie does seem they may tweak things around but yeah. it would be it would be stupid for them not to make Maggie Alpha or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's a big question mark. Yeah, that storyline is a big question mark. And, and who else could you possibly see? There's nobody I, I would possibly see other than Daryl being in that in that I, zombie I, mask. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Think about it. It just makes sense. It, it makes sense. It does make sense. It just, there's just certain things that you're going to have to deviate from that storyline in order to make oh, that many work. Things. <laughs> many things that you're going to have to kind of say like, well, we're not doing that. We're not doing this. We're going to go this route instead. And maybe that works, but that's just, God, I don't, I, I don't know. You could maybe potentially have Daryl as Alpha's right hand beta. And then God, Maggie is Alpha. That's so, it would be a very interesting approach because we don't get to see too often anywhere where we have these people who are so much like the good guys the good guys they're the good guys and it's like oh what if they end up being like your most formidable opponent yet yeah and and you know actually makes me wonder like about Enid also how does she fit in because I don't know if she was in the room as well the funny thing is that another comment that I see a lot on the internet that's so funny is and it's true Charlie is who everyone always suspected Enid was yeah exactly everybody 
always suspected from the beginning that Enid was this sort of like in cahoots with the with the wolves and and yeah. kind of like a transplant, like a mole and all of this stuff. And it's never fleshed out to be that way. But there's always a shiftiness to her that makes you not trust her all the way. Right. But you know, right. But but you know what? In thinking about it, maybe you could do the Maggie whisper story arc because part of my concern or issue is that aside um, from the rape, <laughs> aside from well, oh god, jeez, I don't <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a big that's a big problem. That's a big but, problem. <laughs> Um, like i don't know how like or maybe but you know what maybe that's one of those storylines that they forego because they basically decide you know what we're not even going to go there because right he's never going to let us go there well they want i think they want it to fit i think they want all these pieces to fit it's just a tremendous opportunity for them not to pass by i don't know how they'll adapt it because you could potentially have enid because alpha has a daughter obviously maggie doesn't have a daughter but Mm. maybe that's enid's role could be could Could be. be could be potentially yeah yeah and yeah. in that case, in that case, maybe you could, but I don't but know. But then the, I mean, where's the Carl element, right? Unless you take the the little savior kid and now we've jumped in time and you could kind of say like, oh, well, he's, I, I don't know. Henry? The, the, oh, yeah, he's much older. But he, he's still kind of young. He's still going to be younger than Enid. But they might forego mm. logic sometimes and say, okay, we jumped in the future and now he's older, mm. old enough to make it believable that they would potentially have something oh or or the age gap closes in between alden and enid that could be something i don't know people get older the age gap closes mm-hmm. in it's not mm-hmm. as sorted yeah you know? and and you know what what's poetic about that okay this makes a little bit more sense because what's poetic about that is you think that alden and maggie get together and then they because i don't see alden turning into one of those the whisperers no i don't i, don't, I, I think I, don't see that. I think i see alden as if, if she is going into that path alden is kind of like the missed opportunity of Maggie mm-hmm. to be good. Yes. And then it spills over to maybe Enid. Mm-hmm. And Enid's always been under Maggie's wing this entire yeah. time. She's mm-hmm. not challenged her as much. No. I mean, she, she she gets in Michonne's face, but she never once gets in Maggie's face. No, never. No. She's always been Maggie's support. Yeah, oh, and almost, vice almost versa. Like a, almost like a... Surrogate mother? Yeah, like a surrogate mother for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I hundred percent agree. So maybe that whole idea of her going for Alden is not only just a a challenge to her authority, mm-hmm. but also kind of like a slight to her as not only a mother, let's say, quote unquote, but also yeah. it's very kind of Shakespearean tragedy almost. This mm-hmm. guy could have been mine, but I mm-hmm. screwed up because I was too wrapped up in trying to get back at Rick. Yeah, and uh, you going down, girl. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll go there. I think that would be very compelling to see. Oh, I would they, love that. If they, I would love that. If you, if you would take the character of Maggie and if you would take two characters like Maggie and Daryl that are so beloved have been on the show for how many seasons and you really convert their characters because of what they've gone through and where their heads are at to to be this sort of really formidable opponent to 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 Rick and Michonne that'd be pretty damn impressive it, it would really make you question like man oh who am I rooting for here that's true that's true and yeah you take that element and then you take and you continue the theme of who who do I really root for mm-hmm. who do I root for in this situation yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these two things together could make a really good sauce, <laughs> let's say. 
Yeah. A good ragu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be very yeah, interested. Yeah, Walking Dead writers, listen up. Yeah. I'm more interested in the former rather than the latter, but the former being the enemy from within. Yeah. And however they decide to spin that, that's fine by me. However, but. yeah. I think it's more compelling than just bringing in a new character. Mm, well, that, or the, a new approach to kind of protagonist-antagonist. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but to maybe, add, to, if you do add that element of who do I root for, you have to be really careful with that because right. I, think, I think after a certain point, people like 140 characters or less or 280 now mm-hmm. you know people do like limitations and i think that yes. was a problem with maybe the last season with the that, war there was, there was no end in sight yeah well and you also didn't know who the real enemy was too at the end of the day yeah yeah i mean it wasn't very it wasn't abundantly clear it wasn't elegant either <laughs> It was sloppy. It was sloppy. Yeah. yeah. The benefit of being in a podcast is you really, we do pay attention to these we details so you don't have to. Yeah, we have to. So, yeah. But I think that's kind of the problem. It, it, these things should be apparent. And they're not. Not without no. breaking things down. No, no. And that was my feeling on it. I feel that the war dragged on far too long. I understand that they were trying to make it very impactful and resonate and, and really put out there how important the story arc was, but it didn't need to be dragged out for as long as it did. I just felt, or, or if- By Carl's or, death. Yeah. <laughs> or if you were going to drag it out, it wasn't done effectively enough to keep me riveted. It was sort of like, okay, already yawn. Literally. Literally. And it's just sort of like, okay. I, I feel like I'm going to keep that in because I think I think we're done at this it, point. It proves a point. It's like the, the period at the end of the sentence. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the ellipses. It's the dot, dot, dot mm-hmm. at the end. It's like, that's, excuse me, snooze. That is how I felt. So Z, Z, Z. I hope that they really think it through yeah. how they approach yeah. this. I think they are. I think, and I you know what? I think it's set in stone right now. They're filming now. Yeah, they're filming. So whatever it is, they, they've already figured it out. Yeah. makes me curious to see it. I, I wonder because I, I kind of try to infer based on people's Instagram accounts. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> you don't seem to be there. So then does that mean that you're not really a focal part? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? You know? Where's Ross Marquand? Yeah, I have not <laughs> seen him. I've seen a lot of Tara. Oh, you did? I, I've seen well, like Father awesome Gabriel a lot. a lot. Father Gabriel, Tara, Jadis, King Ezekiel. I've seen a lot of them on set, it seems. Or Rick, obviously, of course. Michonne, of course. Yeah. And no Negan, though. I've not seen Negan. Yeah. But at the same time, if we were to go with the comic, he's in the jail cell. Isolation. <laughs> yeah. So obviously that's a different kind of film. Filming. Not a lot not a lot of outdoor settings. No. Let's put it that way. Exactly. I bet exactly. you he lives on that set right now. It's very method. I well no, he said that he is it was funny because in that same interview he was saying how Andrew Lincoln is one of those British method actors and he gets very into it or whatever and he's like on Jeffrey Morgan's part, he's like, I'm not formally trained. Sometimes he gets really into it in, in terms of Andrew Lincoln and there's a fight scene that they had at the house when when they were burning down Alexandria basically. Yeah. Yeah. And they have their physical altercation. He said that t- typically when you film this stuff, you can give 50% and for camera, it works. Right, right. When the, the, the lights go on and the filming starts, he says that Andrew Lincoln gives 150%. And he got so into it that he accidentally punched him in the nose and he gave him like a hairline fracture or something. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's okay. I mean, he's like, he's a really nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) How could you be mad at this face? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He was like, no, he was really apologetic. He gave me like a gift certificate for like a facial and massage and stuff. He's like, I don't really do that stuff, but it was a nice gesture. (laughs) A facial massage? Yeah, sure. Oh my God. He must have been mortified. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jeffrey D. Morgan's a scrapper probably. He's He's a super scrapper. Honestly, oh my gosh. If you listen to interviews with him, I don't know if you know this. He grew up in Seattle and he was in that whole grunge 
grunge scene. He knew all those guys back when before it became what it was in terms of grunge. He was really close friends with a lot of those guys from Alice in Chains. And he was talking about how obviously a lot of them are dead now. You know? Yeah. But he was saying he he was friends with a lot of those guys and knew them before everything really blew up. Yeah, but he's scrappy. He was saying a story about how he was in Washington State and he did start off at college before dropping out like a lot of these actors do. And he was on his way from a basketball game to, I guess, to his dorm. And he got approached by a group of guys, one of them with a knife that basically jumped him or tried to rob him. And they asked him if he got knifed and he said, no, he definitely got beat up, but he was able to wrestle the knife away from one of the guys and put it through his forearm. And that scared him enough to run off. And I was like, damn, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Holy crap. And he's like, yeah, then I left college and never went. (laughs) Yeah. College is a dangerous place. Never go. Never go there. No, dangerous. I tried twice. I ran away. (laughs) Both times. Oh, God. But you know what's really funny? (laughs) Those were the days. Those were the days when we were watching Winamp and downloading stuff off of Napster. Downloading movie, MOV files, Apple movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good times. I wish I could be like Meryl Streep and Double Wars Prada. That's all. Mm -hmm. That's all. (laughs) That's all. That's all. Yeah. God, I love that movie. need to watch that this week. (laughs) I I like that movie, too. That movie's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, And other side note, quick side note. That movie is my first job experience to a Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Or maybe second job experience. Obviously, I'm an architect by trade, which is crazy. But so I know. Nuts. (laughs) Call me. (laughs) But I always thought you either work for an architecture firm or you work for a GC. So I ended up working for a GC, making crap money. And I did it for a year just to get experience. And then I figured, okay, I want to go the corporate route because that's where the big bucks are. I didn't even know that fashion retailers had a, a, a department that even handled construction and design and build out of their stores. That was news to me. So when the opportunity came along, I applied, I got in, and I was very much like Anne Hathaway's character where I didn't know jack about high fashion. I was 23 years old. Like I didn't know this, this designer from this designer. I didn't have any of these fancy clothes. I was fortunate that one of the creative directors there, who was also very similar to Nigel, showed me the ropes, took me to the stores, exposed me to different designers, gave me all the free stuff that he didn't want, took me to a salon, got my hair cut, molded me into this is how you need to represent our industry and department. And it was really eye-opening. So every time I watch that movie, it always takes me back. Now I'm wondering, I have a proposition bringing mm-hmm. it back to the podcast. Now, it's mm-hmm. actually good that you actually went to these tangents because <laughs> now what I think you need I'm to do, yeah, you need to learn <laughs> set design. I would love to do that. That's actually yes. a very good point. I've and thought with, about that. And with your architectural experience, uh-huh. what you can do is get in on either of the shows oh. or maybe both dude and i'm not even that far from georgia yeah so hop to it you know what and then we come back and do this podcast (sighs) oh my god andrew lincoln smells like like old spice times a hundred because he smells like old britain okay listen it's like magic and sweat look i'll be i'll be sleeping outside jeffrey d morgan's trailer okay (laughs) you mean his prison cell because that's where he's gonna be No, <laughs> that he's okay. he's living there, and you know it. I know he's like that's. He's that's, like, I'm gonna try this method thing out for a little. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna try and see how much validity there is to it. <laughs> but you know what? You make an excellent point. I do. Mind what the hell one. are you doing with your life? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. Every morning when I get up and I'm in traffic, I ask myself that every single day. You know, if, if this podcast was did one thing, it was in, in that was to help you choose your career path. 
You're welcome. <laughs> it even, I even get asked that at work. They're like, God, oh, you know, so you're so good at this. And I'm like, again, why am I here? But, you're like, everybody's, and you're like, duh, duh, wake up the next day to go to work. Mm-hmm. And they're like telling you, um, hello, <laughs> make your way on the show. Duh, I got to call this client. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? It's like, wait, let me get into my Excel. Oh, it's mm-hmm. Monday again. You got to print out those those reports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I don't wake up until two. <sighs> Why are you even trying to talk to me? Oh, jeez. And then like that lasts for an hour and then oh. clock out time is at eight. <laughs> On that note, I need to mentally prepare myself for tomorrow. So... <laughs> Yeah. So with that, everybody. Oh God. <laughs> Actually, and it happens to be two fifteen now. Two fifteen oh, a.m. I can mentally prepare myself. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is good. This is inspiration. This so. is a great spot. Yeah. We're looking to the future. Looking. Carol's going to get on the set of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and, and report make this back happen. to you. Make this happen. Yeah. I, unfortunately, they have NDAs. <laughs> So we're screwed. God. I can't say one thing. No, you can't say anything. I know you can't say anything. I'll be tarred and feathered. You'll never hear from me again. Oh my gosh. No, we will. We'll just hear about how embarrassing it was that you got fired at after a I week. No, know, I know. And God. they found out about your podcast. Jesus Christ. Uh, and with that, everybody, <laughs> until next week, where we've got a lot to talk about. Yes. See you next time. Adios. <laughs>